Greetings and salutations. I hope your day is both tranquil and fulfilling. I am Athanasius, and welcome back to the podcast of the Boldly Immortal. This is part three of my conversation with the Audacitor. Parts one and two should be on the podcast already. There's some spicy content that's going to be presented here, so brace yourselves if you are of a weak constitution. Otherwise, for context, the last episode we were talking about living as a Christian in a world populated by people who do not hold our religion, who have a very specific religion. Um, We tied that to the diversity, equity, inclusion, corporate religion that is currently uh, holding sway in our institutions and major corporations. And the struggle of a Christian to live in that world and to pick which battles to fight, where to prioritize the action that you take to express your Christian values in the world in which you live. Uh, so coming from that, that difficulty, that struggle of dwelling in and yet not being of the world, part three of my conversation with the Audacitor. Within the realm that the set of vocation that you have, you have to address what's the most important fight to fight. And at a certain point, trust that if you can't handle it, just move on. I think about this with uh, the vaccine question. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just decided, you know, it's not worth it. And I'll take my chances. At a certain point, you have the freedom to do that. Yeah, uh, if you're not sinning against conscience, then I would say it's a it's not a straightforward case to make that absolutely taking that injection was a sin. I get it that they used you know disgusting methods in order to get to that thing, but again, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be like a sort of midwit dork about these things, right? But let's just say if you bought your wife and engagement ring with a diamond on it there's a possibility it was also involved with you know nasty things right if as many people pointed out at the time right if you if you have used a medicine developed in the last 50 years it's been done through the same things right i mean it's it's involved the same process right you know and for some people they said to themselves well i'm not going to use that stuff anymore and you know good on them but it's just as much as I would like to say, yep, involved aborted fetal cells, therefore evil, therefore you can't, right? I, I mean, I would personally like to say that, right? Right. Um, I have I to admit that like, there, there are other, like I've heard other arguments that make me go like, not just the, well, other things use it too. I mean, that's a stupid argument, right? But this whole idea of like, a, it's like a distance from evil. At some point, you really have nothing to do with the evil that was done along the way to getting you something right now uh, an argument is often made for like a special case here because that involved the life of an infant right an infant who wasn't even born yet and so that is so terribly evil that any involvement with it whatsoever if that's your rubric then one can at least imagine several scenarios in which other things you do in life frequently must and have to intersect with that anyway and how are you ever going to for me what i ended up saying for myself is yeah, but I know that it's involved with this, whereas I may not know it about other things, and so I want nothing to do with it. Right. There's there's clarity that that makes the decision easy. It's obvious. 
Yeah. It, the, and there, this is not to address the, the issue of the the scientific question of are they are they safe and effective or are they not? Um, yeah, which... um, they're not. Uh, they, they, they may not be safe. They definitely aren't effective. Um, it, like the, the, the effective part of it is not even a question anymore. It, it's not sort of certainly not publicized on the news, but it's very well known that the majority of people who get some strain of COVID now are those who have been vaccinated, not the people who aren't. So wow. um, it's absolutely not effective. It may not be safe. So, you know, really the question of, uh, you know, aborted cells or whatever, th this may not be good enough for, you know, government mandates for government employees or, you know, um, uh, you know the military or whatever. But I would say, you know, as a Christian, you can say to yourself, it, it, it's not effective and it may not be safe. And so I can't, I, I do not want to sin against the fifth commandment by harming wow. my own body with this garbage. See, and, so, that, and that's, a, that's a much easier, stronger line to be able to draw. Absolutely. Than the other line. But it doesn't say that the other line, you can't draw that line. You can choose no. to draw the line on um, there is an involvement with the, in the fifth commandment with the, the murder of the innocence that is being used to try and soak, you know, suck additional life out of yeah. it with, with witchcraft so that we can then take this magic potion, which will make us immune to the, the dangerous, invisible diseases. There's, there's some witch doctoring going on there, too. But then again, what we're doing right now is magically projecting our voices through Palantir. You know, it's it's like the magical seeing stone where I'm able to you know, speak with you and communicate things and then gaze upon mysteries of the world. And I could get lost in it very easily looking at you know, amusements from far away. It's, it's a type of a strange magic that we use for this. So we can't... If we were to say no magic whatsoever, let's go be Amish and maybe not use uh, blacksmithing because that's a certain type of magicry. Where do you where do you draw the line? Gets to the conscience. So a, a yeah. person, a person who did take it, who got vaccinated completely in the understanding of everything that that implied is not outside the faith. But they're a bit of a fool at the very least. I mean, I, I think so, but what do you mean by understands everything that it implies, right? I think if, if they had the same, if they had identical understanding to mine, which is that it's not effective and it may be actually be harmful, they wouldn't do it, right? Mm. Like, who would be like, I want to do this just because, right? Like, uh, only, I mean, that yes, that would be foolish, right? But I think that probably a lot of people who took it thought that they were doing the right thing for their health. And they probably didn't think very hard about uh, the abortion issue. The, the bigger question would be, should they be called to re repentance? There are some things where it's like, you can easily point to a Bible verse and go, yes, repent, sinner. And this is just not, it's just not that straightforward. Missing church because you want to go watch a football game might be a greater, greater that'd be call a lot easier. for repentance. That'd be, a, that'd be a lot easier, right? Like any one football game, all right, but I might still ask you like, what's your priorities here, man? You know, mm -hmm. consistently, <laughs> Like of all football season long, you're gone because you got to watch the Packers or the Bears or the whoever. Like, dude, you do have your priorities messed up. Yeah, for sure. Don't, don't you know the kids have to get scholarships so they can't they can't come to church as frequently, or they at least we can't we can't be around for other activities because if yeah, they don't man, get scholarships, they don't go to school, and if they don't go to school, they won't be able to get careers, and if they don't get careers, then that they can't be good Americans. 
and they <laughs> won't be, live. They won't have enough. They won't have money. They won't have the money they need. Oh, oh, interesting. Uh, and, and now we get to the bottom of what the idol is all about, don't we? Right. So, yeah. And so those are the, th- the types of things that we can call out as something we need to repent of. Yeah. Um, the, the I think I do think that generally, not the specifics uh, of how we handled COVID, but the general idea of using pharmacaea as a means of extending our lives unnaturally is a question that Christians do need to wrestle with. Um, I think the story of Asa is pretty helpful in that regard of natural natural realities and the limitations of science. And this is another one where, again, I, I think this is very similar to what we're just wrestling with, is that in a lot of ways, it, I think it probably comes down to what is the attitude of your heart. And I'm not saying that all actions are neutral and all that matters is what's going on inside of you, right? But, you know, for instance, if... if when I get up in the morning, I need a cup of coffee. Yeah. Am I unnaturally modifying my, you know, uh, the sort of God-given state of my body in the morning? Uh, should I repent of that? I mean, to me, that just sounds a little silly. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fair. You know, on the other on the, on the other hand, uh, I mean, because you know, this is one of the most powerful unregulated drugs. <laughs> On the market, <laughs> but uh, honestly, the the dealers, the, co- the the caffeine dealers, have a sweet deal. I don't know how they got away with it. Actually, I'm reading this book right now on uh, on sleep. Uh, it's a fairly recent book called Why We Sleep. There are some really cringe evolutionary stuff in it, obviously, but uh, but it is really guilting me about my my sleep habits and my caffeine use, stuff like that. Uh, it turns out, like at least if this guy's right, and you know who knows, right? If he's correct, then uh, sleep is like vitally important. You really, really, really need to get your sleep. So we're getting back to pharma, you know, pharmacaya. The thing about pharmacaya is that God made it. It's potentially something that can be used for good, but it also can be used for evil. Obviously, some things, the effects they have in the body are so deleterious that they would, in fact, um, break the fifth commandment. You know, here I think about powerful opioids, mm. uh, stimulants, depressants, things like that. I'm not saying that the list of things that we have made illegal is the exact list that should be illegal, either one way or the other, right? Maybe more things should be illegal, I don't know. But but it, it is certainly a question one has to ask oneself is, you know, am I doing good for myself by this or not? And then on top of that is the question of why am I doing it to begin with? A person who has a heart condition at age 40 with kids who are, seven and five and three and needs those medicines in order to keep his heart going so he can be a dad to those kids. Mm. Are you going to say like, ah, oh, that's a, you know, why are you unnaturally using pharmacaya to extend your life? Like, eh. you, you've, there's definitely, there's, there may or may not have been some choices that were made along that route, but does that, do we need to condemn the person to, to condemn the children to an untimely loss of their father because their father had some decision or maybe just a genetic defect. Yeah, just that's what I was thinking of. But, yeah. yeah. So we can't there is no hard and fast line that you really can draw in that particular in that particular environment. It's more it's more broad. If if there was a hard and fast line in scripture, we should hew to it. But it's not there isn't a section of the Bible that handles prescription drugs, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe somebody can point me point something out to me that I've missed. But so then, I want to swing this back into the earlier conversation about uh, governance. the 
the Christian who's serving as on on the the FDA because that's mm. the, it seems like that's a very reasonable thing a Christian could do to try and ensure that the the drugs that get into the population are actually safe and effective. Yeah, well, yes. What do you know? So, so to a certain extent, the the the, the bureaucracy is not evil, insofar as it allows you to try and find the nuance on a complicated issue. That nuance is, is difficult and you can't just outright say that, that the king needs counselors and the king needs princes and he needs he can't just dictate thus it shall be enough for no other cases. This is how we're going to do it. This is the line. The, the, and I, I don't like saying this. That you need a little bit more complexity and you need lawyers to be able to hash out that complexity when it comes in. And in that system, there will be wicked men who try to find loopholes to do wickedness. But there's going to be a structure because life is complicated. And that'll scale based on the complexity of your society. So if you if you lived in 12th century France, you're not going to need as large of a bureaucracy because life isn't terribly, isn't as complicated as it is in 21st century France nuclear power is clearly a more complicated matter and managing your environmental hazards there is, is 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 a legitimate concern to make sure that wicked men do not take over the plants and destroy the countryside mm-hmm. so the bureaucracy is a is an inevitable result of the fact that life is complicated and a christian could in good conscience do that and a christian king like let's say we do get the kings back a Christian king has to find a way to have a righteous or to to promote a righteous bureaucracy, a good deep state. <laughs> um, words words may never have been spoken before together, but <laughs> I would probably back way out of the premise and just say that the reason bureaucracies exist in the way that we know of them is lar- it's largely a modern phenomenon. It's largely a phenomenon of the last, you know, to be generous, 200 years. And they did not exist on that level prior to that. Okay. Because most issues were handled locally and governed locally. When the German princes get together for a diet, like the Diet of Worms, uh, and there were plenty of others, uh, not just the ones that are famous to Lutheran history, it basically has nothing to do with the way that the commoners are living their everyday life literally has like almost nothing to do with that they're not talking about what should be you know the policy for which kinds of wheat you're allowed to grow or something like that right (laughs) those are more or less like defensive and international focused meetings in which they say we as the princes of germany which was like a federalized system right like they each had their own kind of autonomy under the emperor, the Holy Roman Emperor, right? But we, the princes of Germany, what are we going to do in order to defend our interests against incursions from the Moors, uh, the Muslims? What are we going to do to defend our interests against economic scheming from Italy, you know, or something like that, right? Uh, leaning into a stereotype there maybe a little bit, but that's what those things were about. So they weren't about, they weren't about it wasn't like World Economic Forum stuff, you know, where it's like, how are we going to push these regulations all the way down to your neighborhood, right? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't about managing the people. 
to fit yeah, the way they're a, supposed this, to, to to be the people they're supposed to be because that's religious. Th- this is a the, the the whole idea of bureaucracy comes out of mass society, more or less, and and, um, mm. and the seeds of it were there a while ago, but it really flourishes after World War Two, maybe World War One, and so. You know, the book here, the sort of the foundational book to understand this stuff is uh, James Burnham's The Managerial Revolution. The uh, very good update to it is uh, Leviathan and Its Enemies by Samuel Francis. So if you just want to ask the question of, you know, do we need a righteous deep state? I guess I would say no. Okay. <laughs> I like, I like the sound of that. are smaller states that don't need massive bureaucracies. What you, I think what you want, ideally, and I'm not saying this idea will ever be achieved because this is not heaven and this, this earth is not our home. <laughs> right? Paradise is, the, the new heavens and the new earth. But if you, if you wanted some kind of ideal, you would have a much smaller state over a much smaller region in which massive bureaucracies are not necessary and in which a wise king, yes, with counselors, who's informed by more than mere science and expertise and technique, and I'm using some of those words in a very technical sense. Um, uh, Jacques Lul has some good writings on technique, for instance. Uh, a righteous king is thinking about more than just that, but also the spiritual health and condition of his people, takes in some advice and then makes a decision. Uh, and he either says, yes, people are free to do this if they want, but they have to live with the consequences of that decision. And then every man, as the king of his own castle, can decide, sure, I'll try this drug, knowing that it could kill me. <laughs> right? Or the king says, no, no one shall use this, because I think that uh, I think that it will be bad for our citizenry. And fine. And he pursues justice over those... Uh, he has authority over for their good, not for his own self-indulgent, pleasure-seeking, uh, imperial aspirations to be a greater king, but rather simply because this is this is the right. people that he's been given. Now, there, there will be maybe some people who will say, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, because wasn't there this whole period of time, you know, 19th century America, right, where you had like literal snake oil salesmen. People use these crafty claims and tactics and sales techniques in order to get people to buy into something that they don't, it's not really the same as consent because they're being told that it does certain things or or will prevent certain things that it doesn't actually do, right? And so the laws and the bureaucracies, the FDA exists in order to prevent all of this, right? And, And make sure that people have truly informed consent. I guess I would just say like, in previous cultures or previous forms of Western culture, the buyer beware uh, mentality was a live thing, right? Like uh, people were much more wary or at least wise people were much more wary about, you know, getting caught up in somebody's sale sales pitch. Right. So first of all, there's that, but, and second of all, you don't need, you don't need like endlessly Byzantine rules in order to, you know, prevent wicked people from doing things. Right. You, You could just say, Again, the king could just say, hey, look, medicines can be dangerous. Everyone should beware. And because medicines are dangerous, people are allowed to sell these things, but they're not allowed to, you know, and, and then whatever. Like, I don't know the ins and outs of this whole thing, right? But right. You, you could just say, like, uh, you're, you're allowed to print a fact sheet, and the fact sheet must say, these facts may not actually be true. 
<laughs> you know, something like that, right? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's quite something. Yeah, I guess you can't call them facts at that time, or these right. claims may not actually be true, right? Simple rule, right? Simple rule, and like you don't need a bureaucracy to enact that. To have people know when they're making a decision, the person who's trying to convince you may be a liar. Just as a yeah. general policy, he yeah. could be lying to you. You should probably assume that when anyone's trying to sell you anything. Whoa! <laughs> right? Blind blown. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't just trust people because they say I have a doctorate. Right. Oh goodness. That's interesting. How much simpler things can be in in a lot of ways in that regard. That you you have this freedom, and and I like the idea that you have the freedom, but you're going to have to handle the consequences because that's all that his law is. His law is effectively, uh, if you steal, there will be consequences in that we're going to punish you. Right. If, you know, it, if you get away with it, technically you could get away with it, but it's the, it's the imposition of consequences on actions that may have actual self inflicted consequences, but you want to further disincentivize them by adding, by tipping the scales in the weight of, well, this is not worth my, what this is not worth doing. Yeah. Um, the law does not by, de by definition mean something doesn't happen. It just means that whoever does it is a criminal. Yeah. Again, like I said this earlier, like may maybe while, while no one should feel bound that they must create these laws or they're sinning, maybe there's some wisdom to be found in the laws that God gave, like that God gave, he invented these laws. Maybe there's some wisdom in the laws that God invented that he gave to the Israelites. Again, not sinning if you don't do every single one of them. Bacon. And it, and it could very much be that some of them are more appropriate for that time and culture, but there might be some wisdom in them, right? And when God sets up his, the original intention for the, for the Israelites was that they didn't even have a king except God himself. And, you know, that you hear that refrain over and over again in the book of Judges, right? Like, that everyone did as he saw fit. Now, that's kind of like a dark statement in that book because you see that over and over again what they did was as sinners, they turned to idols and they committed a whole bunch of wickedness, right? Um, but it is true that God did not give them some kind of central authority or bureaucracy over every aspect of their life. Even what we think of as like regular piety from Jewish people, like going to the synagogue on Saturdays and stuff like that, that's a much later development. Mm. In terms of like, Religious stuff you absolutely have to do. Okay, you had sin offerings. Those, you know, but you also had three major festivals you had to go to one a year. Every to year. Jerusalem. Yep. Right? Well, it would, and, it would have been in the time of the judges, just wherever the tabernacle is. Yeah, the tabernacle, right? Exactly. So even like the whole idea of, and don't get me wrong, like going to church every Sunday is a good idea, right? But e even that idea is not itself that, that did not exist. <laughs> you were to set aside the Sabbath day, but whether or not there was, you know, a gathering, I don't know, right? And so now if we're talking again about like secular rulers, what's a wise king to do? I think a wise king is to say the 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 system that God set up gave people an incredible amount of self autonomy. They had to live with their choices, they had to live with their consequences, but it gave them an incredible amount of self autonomy. And so I think it's 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 difficult to make the case for a you know, it's often, you know, the term is often used like a nanny state, right? Or I don't, I don't necessarily mean that only in the kind of let's make fun of Democrats way, but 
a state that's interested into every nook and cranny of life in order to make sure that people are always doing the right thing or always being safe or always being, you know, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so then the idea that everyone's doing what's right in his own eyes doesn't mean that somebody who is actually trying to pursue what is actually righteous can't live in that society. It might mean yeah. that he's having to struggle against people who just don't want to do whatever, but uh, I'm thinking of Boaz, Ru uh, Boaz and Ruth, and their son Obed, and his son Jesse, and his son David, are and that that line is not is not passing down idolatry. They're passing mm -hmm. down the word of God to the point where right. David knows it well enough to just write songs about it in his time out in the pasture. It's it's a yeah. So that's where I like that that's where we're at. It's it's a time where we are obliged to wrestle with the subjectivity, the lack of of clarity that our society provides where there is no righteous structure taken for granted. We don't live in the 1950s where everybody just assumes that things are, certain things are not welcome and we don't live in the 1850s where people just assume that Certain things are, you just don't do them. We don't live in the 1750s where you just, we all take things for granted that you don't do certain things. And in all of those examples, there were things that people took for granted which were not right. Yeah, I think you're verging on something you said earlier, right? About the right-wing tendency to escape, to get away, to go, go to Idaho, you said a little bit ago, right? And now you're talking about living a righteous life amongst the pagans, right? Again, I'm going to come back to the idea of vocation, which is that I think every father, certainly, we could talk about, you know, a single man or a single woman too, but um, but I think every father has to think hard about his duty to his children and how can he set them up best to absorb the faith and then pa and then have what it, have the strength to pass it on to the next generation as well. Okay. And I think what has happened, at least since World War II, maybe since World War I in America, is that that kind of conscientiousness from father to son to father to son has not been in place. And that's what's gotten us, maybe the unbelievers were always going to make things really nasty here. Okay, right. But in, in terms of just, like, if you look at the strength of the Christian churches, in every denomination that says it cares about the, you know, that says that the Bible is God's word, why is that? Why is that strength seem to be so small? And I think it, I think that's what it comes down to. And I say that with respect. My parents couldn't have a greater amount of respect or love for them. Okay, but the fog of war created by a kind of cultural Christianity that was not really Christian. It was just sort of a kind of acquiescence to you know, the truths of the Ten Commandments for a while <laughs> while they were useful or why or, or, or while an older generation just couldn't kick them quite yet. That fog of war meant that they were not as careful or diligent in certain things that they probably should have been. Where we find ourselves is that we have to be careful and diligent about how do I how do I set my children up to receive and absorb and make the faith their own and then be able to pass it on to the next generation. So then the, the question becomes, can I do that 
you know, uh, Dr. Kuhn's talking about, you know, the cities. I would ask, can you do that in a city right now? And I'm not saying the answer is no, but of course, every city is a little bit different. Maybe there's some cities or maybe there's some, you know, sections of certain cities where the answer is a definite no. What's a city too? You know, I mean, that's a whole other question. Um, are we talking about a metro area or are we talking about the actual urban core? I don't know, but I think that's a serious question to talk about. So again, if there's going to be a retreat, there has to be a counterattack. So the retreat should not be, I'm going to retreat into this bunker and, 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 you know, hope I can wait out the nuclear bombs because eventually after the bombs all drop and they take out the other, you know, the, everyone else, they will, they'll, they'll bust down the door of your bunker and take you out too. Right. So <laughs> speaking very metaphorically here, of mm -hmm. course, but so there has to be a counterattack. But it may, in fact, be true that there are places that it is wisest to regroup to. That may be true. To muster. Yes. So, you know, for my part, I'm hoping to make where I'm at one of those places. Whether I'm successful, I don't know. And that, that comes down to a whole combination of different things. You know, um, how... how how close are we to being just completely overrun? You know, where I'm at, I don't feel like that's super close. Another part of it is just like, how competent am I to do that task? You know, maybe I'm not, <laughs> I may not be up to the task. I don't know, right? I mean, uh, I'm no superhuman or superhero, so. Yeah, but it, I, I'm, I'm reminded in some ways of my own, my own path in that where I started is not where I am now. And where I am now is not someplace I would have expected to be, but the 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 path forward for me, I live on the outskirts of Rockford. I'm looking to take Rockford. Like that's that's the city. That's the place. Yeah. If if Rockford is a place where people can live and pass down the faith from generation to generation and uphold the the tenets of a Christian life together in conscience freely as a whole city if that's if, if that is possible that is going to be an amazing city uh, that would be an amazing place to live and you know, only the lord knows what could happen at that point so if that's you know, and and then you take that and then chicago's right over there like that's the metropolis that's the metropolis and who you know so 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 the the ground there is very obvious that is some place that we could take but first i actually have to take the the, the community and serve the community and do it well and do well by it and you know, seek the good of the city in which I dwell. That's the, that's the tension I have. I'm trying to wrestle with there is, all right, how do I not just bunker up? How do I not just turn myself into, like you're saying that we're going to just run away, but instead it's a, it's muster your forces and trust that the Lord is on your side when you go to battle. Yeah. So, so the, the technique that would be suggested, or not technique, but the, uh, the the method that would be suggested by Italian elite theory uh, and um, all the thinkers that have come out of that since would be this. You have two two routes, okay? Route A would be that you build up a, a rival elite that can take over the city. That is not a bottom-up process. It's a top-down process. Hmm. If here, here's here's one way I put it. Um, I mean, I didn't 
we weren't talking about specifically this, although I, I personally had it in mind. I just wasn't explicating all the details to them, right? But one thing I said to my um, ladies group here recently was, I said, why don't you all just like take, like, why don't just five or six of you join the village's ladies club? It was like a village ladies club. I've seen it before. It's like all people over 70. I was like, why don't five or six of you just join it? You, you're younger than them. And they and like you could instantly become officers on it, or you could take the thing over, like that, right? And that's what I'm talking about. Okay, you 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 create a rival elite that is appropriate to that sphere, right? Now we're talking about a whole municipality. That's a little bit harder than the ladies' club, <laughs> right? In theory, there you need people who are good at managing water districts and electrical grids and police possibly but you maybe i mean depending upon how high up you can grab it doesn't even have to be that because all mm. you have to do if we're just talking about water districts right all you have to do is have control over the position that hires and fires the water district administrator oh and then if the water district administrator is mm. a fool you fire him and you put somebody else good in right so I, this is literally what the gramsian uh, left it with their quote unquote long march through the institutions, right? I mean, they just, they just slowly uh, accrued positions of authority in institutions and then just fired everyone they disagreed with. So they did. A reverse Gramsianism is probably, is, is, is not, there are many who think that that's specifically will not necessarily work. So I'm not saying it's not quite the same as, what I'm talking about is not quite the same as this sort of, this sort of like long march thing. They know how the game is. Like, they know how that was done. They're not going to let you do it the same way they did it. But you might be able to use the, the mechanisms that are in place right now to get a rival elite into power. And then you have to be willing, this is what we are talking about before with my you know example of you know, Ron Sanders or whatever. You have to be able to, if be willing to, if be willing to do some un-American things, you have to be willing to make it extremely difficult for your enemies to remain in that place or or to be a part of it one of the like the like the biggest farces and jokes of like we're defending democracy in ukraine is that within the last few months Zelensky banned like he banned all the rival political parties right <laughs> like there's what? a band that are not allowed to exist anymore oh right How very democratic which, which which makes the idea of defending democracy in ukraine like ridiculous of course but Theoretically, if you could get away with that in Rockford, you should do it. You should absolutely do it <laughs> because because that's what it means to really kind of have a circulation of elites and to and to take over is is to kind of completely own the entire space so that rivals and here what we're talking about is not just like oh we're all Americans or oh we're all good people. What we're talking about is you are keeping fools. Out of, dis- out of positions where they can destroy the lives of others. That's what you're trying to do. Wicked fools. That was that was the one option is the right. That's route A. Route B is what happened in Hungary, which is that you you proclaim the gospel to the to the current or the up and coming elites, and you convert them to the Christian faith, and then uh, then when they take power, they want the same things you want. Oh. And so we talked about this in my men's Bible study recently, is that as it happens, the the village president where I live is, in fact, a Christian. 
but I, I, I said to the men, like, you should you should pray that every person on the village council is is and becomes a Christian, and you should pray that all of them are bold to say, because the Bible gives us wisdom about what is best and right, we're just going to do those things, no no matter like, in other words, they need the wisdom to be able to reject the BS as it were about the separation of church and state. Ooh, I'm not okay. saying they should implement. You know, I wouldn't want the village president making uh, Roman Catholicism the uh, official religion of my village. Since yeah, that's what not, he is. Not ideal. Not ideal. <laughs> but uh, so I'm not saying I'm not talking about like instituting a specific you know denomination or a specific interpretation of the Bible or whatever, right? But to not get caught up in the garbage about like you can't do that. That's a mixing of churches. No, yes, we're going to do this because it's actually good for people. So sorry. And you know what? I, again, at some point they're going to have to have the guts to say. I don't care what your a circuit court says, what your state court says. We're going to do it here, and if and if you don't like, if you don't like it, you can come with guns here and try to shoot us. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, do a do a financial attack as much as you can, but we're going to stand on our principles. We're going to stand on our own two feet, exactly. Right. Which is right. probably what the foxes would really do, because foxes don't like to use force. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what they do is they cut they cut your funding. They don't let you have you know nice things or whatever. Um, right. And and at that point, you just say, well, you know, this matters more than nice things. And we'll build our own nice things. Thank you. Which, yeah. again, Russia is showing that you can do that. Part of the whole system of U.S. Uh, foreign policy over the last 80 years has basically been, if you do things we don't like, we will sanction you, cut you off economically, and you will hurt. And so Russia did something we didn't like. We sanctioned and cut them off economically, and their economy got better. Oh, really? <laughs> How did that happen? It went through a period of struggle, and now it's and now it's uh, actually better than it was. And before. it's independent, which means that... and it's independent, which means they don't care now what we think. Yeah, and uh, it's not going to be long. It's not going to be long before other countries say maybe we can do it too. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that they're not going to go through some difficulties in the future as well. Um, demographically, they they are in a bit of a of a rut, but it doesn't mean that it means that when they do that, they can actually do it independently. They're not they're not slaves to an international yes. system that can then yes. force them to capitulate to whatever debauchery they that system desires. Right. So then why can't we do it here? It sounds like, well, that's the question. Why not at least pursue, not not necessarily going outright, hey, we're going to invade our neighbors and then you're going to sanction us, <laughs> but, <laughs> but rather saying we're going to live according to our principles and do the best we can to operate as we operate. And if you come down and you try to hit us, we're going to yeah, stand. So- this would definitely take some preparation. Like you don't want to, you don't want to get into this level of conflict without being a little bit ready to start taking the heat, right? But yeah, I think at least theoretically, a given municipality could look at some things and say, you know what, if we do this, there's a good likelihood that our, you know, liberal state supreme court or whatever is is going to strike it down. Um, so, but we we believe in this. You know, we're going to do this, right? Uh, what like in Tennessee, the state of Tennessee just banned. You know, transgender story hour at the libraries and stuff like that. Any, any public transgender oh, yeah. um, performances are now banned in the state of Tennessee. Okay. God be praised. Um, I mean, you know that that's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court, and who even knows what those clowns are going to do with that, right? I don't trust a single one of them, except maybe Thomas and maybe Alito, I want to say. But, but uh, the, the newer guy's not... But every other one of them is has uh, been disappointing in key ways in the past. So let's just pretend that in the state of Michigan... Right. There's a municipality that says, you know what, 
we're going to do the same thing. We have no confidence that the Michigan State Supreme Court is going to uphold this law. We have every reason to believe they're going to strike it down. And so before we pass this, we're going to make sure that our entire house is in order, as best as can be, so that when they inevitably say, oh, well, that means you can't have any money for roads. That means we won't, you know, the, the county that supplies you uh, snow plowing services will no longer do so, right? You know, all, all the other things that they might be able to withhold from us, we'll be just be like, yeah, that's okay. That's fine. No, thanks. We don't need it. We'll, we'll, handle, our, we'll handle our own situation. Thanks, right? Like, like the reason that Janet Reno was able to go down to Waco, Texas and take them out is because they're a religious cult, right? <laughs> that was weird and out of the mainstream. But I, I doubt that uh, Governor Whitmer is going to be able to like march the Michigan State or Michigan National Guard or whatever on an entire city, right? <laughs> now, the, you know, the problem might be Antifa-style goons within the municipality. But my guess is that if your municipality is anywhere near like taking those kind of bold steps, you probably don't have a lot of those people anyway. So yeah. Well, and, and at, at what point is that worth? Is that a worthy sacrifice of saying, yeah, we're, we'll we'll go down with the ship? At this point, we've we've put our house in order. We are we've built the walls that we need to build, and yep. now we are going to put our trust in Jesus Christ to yep. preserve us in clean conscience as a bastion of truth against a, a pagan world. And there are so many moments, stories that that show that that is a fight you can win if Christ, if Jesus Christ is on your side, you will. You can be delivered from that, or he can choose to send you as martyrs to take you away from the the wrath that is to come. So it's not like you're guaranteed to win, but you're not guaranteed to lose. Right. And it sounds like that is a very, very solid way of actually having not only a place to pass down the faith to your children and their children, but a, a, a way to inspire their conviction in how important it actually is. And a, a, a myth of your own people of how critical it is to keep this and what your you know, great-grandfather was willing to do to pass this on to you. Hold on to it. It matters. A, a myth that's actually connected to something real. 